Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Author Scott Rabb has uh, written for GQ and uh, Esquire magazine as well and has uh, written a book that we've referred to quite often here in the last week and a half or two, actually going back before that, called The Whore of Akron. One man's search for, what's the second part of the title, Jerry? The Soul of LeBron James. And uh, I don't think he's found it yet. Either. No, probably not. Scott joins us on the AT&T hotline, AT&T 4G LTE. Good morning, Scott. John and Jerry in Boston, how are you? Uh, good morning, guys. How you doing? I assume that when you write a book called The Whore of Akron about um, LeBron James, it is an exercise in objectivity and fairness on your Absolutely. part. Absolutely. Is that fair to say? A scientific examination <laughs> of this man's character and performance. What, what, uh, what... Burr got under your saddle. Was it the decision? Was it his failures to deliver to Cleveland? Was it the way he went to South Beach? Was it the entire package that is LeBron? Keep going. Not, no, well, you tell me. No, I, I, you know what? Had they won a title, and I don't blame him for the fact that they never got it done during his seven seasons. He wasn't coaching the team. He wasn't sitting in the GM's chair. Uh, I believe in the right of free agency. I would say more than anything else, it was the fact that he seemed to have so easily and without a second's real concern, broke what, what had been a bit of a covenant. As silly as it sounds, we all know it's a business, but here's a guy who grew up there, who told the fans that he understood our pain, he understood the hunger, he understood the history. Not only does he choose to take his talents to South Beach, but he has that hour-long debacle where, for a city that's been going downhill in many ways for half a century, mm-hmm. he, he kind of just drags it through the muck again, and then starts talking all this stuff about, oh, you know, we never like Cleveland. I mean, again, I know there are people who say you sound like a bitter ex-girlfriend, get over it. But in certain towns, Boston's certainly one of them, this is the stuff of myth and legend and legacy. It's not just sports. It, it, it has a spiritual element to it, and it still sticks in my craw. I can only speak for myself, not every Cleveland fan, that he did it the way he did it. You know, what, you know what's great about this, Scott, about you is, I mean, you're not trying to be anything you're not. The, the, you know, it's trendy to defend LeBron, and, and we were, we've been talking about Rick Riley and Jeff Van Gundy. And say, oh, what did he do wrong? He just uh, Rick, Rick Riley said lots of Clevelanders moved to Miami. But, yeah. but, but what you're talking about is the raw emotion of a fan, and I picture you watching the decision, watching him, you know, with Jim Gray talking about biting his fingernails uh, in, in, <laughs> at, the, at the boys' club there in Greenwich. And then yeah. running to the keyboard and just tapping out this this emotional uh, rant, which somehow evolved into a book. Is that right? That that's pretty much what happened. It, t- it look, it took me by surprise. There are ways where I got to say professionally, if the guy hadn't done what he did the way he did it, sitting there with Jim Gray for an hour, I wouldn't ha- wouldn't have had a book deal. I mean, he alienated millions of fans with no love for Cleveland or connection to the Cavaliers, but for me. And I'm I'm the one Cleveland diehard of a certain age who remembers the Browns winning a championship and who might not live to see any Cleveland team win another. For me, I'm the one who had the chance to go to the keyboard and pour my heart out. And, and again, there are people who go, 
get a life. It's just sports. Sports are a huge part of my life. My love for those Cleveland teams is a huge part of my life. And, and so, you know, if I need to have that conversation with someone, they don't understand what being a fanatic. Do you is do you about. want him to lose, or do you want him to roll an ankle, or do you want him to suffer? To, to <laughs> suffer? Do you want him to get a flesh-eating disease? That, that... Uh, you know, I would settle for any of those <laughs> and, and, and be happy. Uh, and, and of course, people go, "Oh, you're a monster! How can you wish a career-ending injury on, on a fine young athlete?" Hey, you know, if I had the powers of carry and I could make it happen, then there'd be a conversation to have there. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I don't have such power. So what I wind up saying to make myself look like less of a monster to people who don't understand what fanhood is like, I hope he retires without ever winning an NBA championship. That, I'll that, settle for that. Uh, we're talking with Scott Rabb, author of The Whore of Akron, a, uh, a, a love missive to, uh, to LeBron James. Now, at a number of locations in the book, you declare that in your estimation, LeBron James is simply the best basketball player you've ever seen. But you also brand him as a coward and a fraud. So a flawed personality to be sure, Scott. And, and someone who I, I think is young and talented enough. I mean, it's not a matter of objectivity. It's a matter of being a fan who saw, I saw Oscar Robertson play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the kid is young, young enough, gifted enough to overcome whatever seems to be broken in his head or in his heart. You know, those areas that, that the, the quantitative analysis kind of dismisses. But when you watch a fourth quarter, you see who wants the ball. Uh, and, and who drifts out of the action, as LeBron has tended to do. So I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I, I think in terms of pure game, not count the rings, but in terms of the range and depth of his talents on the court, guy's an amazing basketball player. But in terms of wanting the ball in the fourth quarter, in the terms of raising his game, and I think we saw a little of this against the Celts. The Celts maybe he's turning the corner. I don't know. Hey, I hope not. I'm, I'm wondering, did, did Cavs owner Dan Gilbert write the back flap endorsement for your book, or did he just, or just <laughs> enough for him to read it and enjoy it? I think that's a fair, that's a fair question. But as to enjoyment, I'm not so sure. Uh, all, all communication between Dan and me kind of ended with the publication of the book. I don't know why. Really? You, you, yeah. I assume your publisher gave you a pretty good advance because you went down to Miami and followed LeBron. How comfortable was that sitting in on press conferences or going in the locker room? Did you get in the, the locker room and go right up to him and say, hey, whore? The, 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 the funny thing about his first year with the Heat, nobody was allowed. Nobody was allowed to interview the big three in the locker room. I'm talking about beat guys who'd been covering the team for 10-plus years were still forced to sit in these little conference rooms and wait for Bosch and Wade and LeBron to come out. It was uncomfortable for me because the media relations guy for the Heat, you know, he, he, he was never comfortable with me there. They wouldn't credential me. I mean, I've been writing for Esquire magazine for 15 years now, and they wouldn't give me the same credential. The league refused to credential me. The only team, by the way, with the courage to give me a credential, Boston Celtics. Wow. So, so what'd you do? You sit and buy a ticket? Yeah. Yeah, I paid, I paid pretty good money for some of those seats. At one point, they threatened to ban me from the arena, not because I went up to anyone and called them a whore, <laughs> but but simp- simply because they didn't like some of the stuff I was tweeting. Uh, did you ever uh, sit at your keyboard, type something, and say, "I think I've gone overboard here. I better delete. I better tone this down a little." Uh, I, I have, I have since making my mistakes. I made my share of mistakes on Twitter. It's Scott Rab sixty four. By the way, I just I just need to throw that out there. But yeah, I think there are plenty of people, and you know, I'm among them who've been around a long time and don't realize, uh, you know. Twitter is like one of those Glock handguns where the trigger goes off way too easily. <laughs> That's Twitter. 
Hey, Scott, uh, one of the notable uh, scenes in the book is a late-night vision of a fantasy LeBron. And 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 as I read that, it seems to me that part of this book deals with your own self-searching for the intricacies of your own soul. Is that fair to say? I think it's really fair to say. I think enough people, you know, again, they say, you know, how could you root for a career-ending injury, you know, get a life? This I had to figure out, you know, in much the same way, I think maybe Bill Simmons has written about being a Boston fan. I, I had to wind up trying to figure out how did I get to be this insane? How did I get to be so driven to joy, but mostly to despair, by... Yo, know, guys wearing laundry that, that, that has the word Cleveland on it. I, how did I become so twisted? And so, yeah, part of the book, and especially the hallucination that you're talking about, uh, which was based on a, on a dessert LeBron ate that night uh, and some pills that I made the mistake of eating uh, at my place. <laughs> yeah, it got pretty weird. got pretty and weird. Did LeBron ever confront you? He did in no. the fantasy. The, the real LeBron. Oh. No, no, I, I did drop a copy of the book off at his mansion outside of Akron. Uh, I inscribed it to LeBron with sincere gratitude for making this book possible. Uh, I tried to reach out to some of his people, what I like to call the Akron chapter of Mensa, uh, to, to try and get a sit-down, not, not to confront him you know, physically or, or, or with any real vulgarity, but, but just because I'd like to ask the guy, what do you say to the kid who's growing up now in West Akron who wore his LeBron jersey? who lived and died with the Cavaliers and, and heard you say, basically, it's just business. It's just what's best for me and my family and walk away from the Northeastern Ohio and from all those fans. Well, Scott, since I know in the playoffs you picked the Knicks to beat the Heat and you I'm picked the, worst, the Pacers man. to pick the Heat, I assume you picked the Celtics to beat the Heat. So I guess <sighs> the deal is whatever team LeBron James' team is playing is your team for that particular series. Yes, but especially, and I'm not just currying favor here, the Celtics – as beat up as they were, and they they took that they took that Heat team to the fourth quarter of Game Seven, you know, held together by spit and bubble gum. It wasn't just an honorable performance. I thought it was a performance for the ages, and I think we saw last night against the Thunder that the Heat themselves have been have been to some degree run to the ground. We'll see how they come back. Obviously, I'm the worst analyst in NBA history. Yeah. Do you, do you think LeBron? Uh has trouble with the pressure? Do you think he's going to have trouble in the fourth quarter and trouble ever winning a title, Scott? So far, you know, if, if past performance is any indication of future, yeah. I don't think there's any question. You don't have to be a Cleveland fanatic to see that he single-handedly cost his team the NBA championship last year when he failed in four consecutive fourth quarters against the Dallas Mavericks. I thought last night he stepped up a bit in the fourth quarter, and he certainly put on a historic performance a couple of them against Boston in the prior series. Uh, and I try to retain some measure of credibility by by allowing for the fact that, that he's going to be 28 years old. At the end of this year, he's still young, but this is now the end of his ninth season in the NBA, and he still has trouble closing games. Is LeBron's mother or any of his friends, any of his posse, uh, the what do you call the Mensa guys, confronted yeah. you? Any of them confront you? Nah, my mother was worried about that. You know, someone was going to break my legs. I said, yeah, it'll be great for the book. <laughs> it's hey, all what, about the book sales, what if, Scott. What if his contract runs out in Miami and he comes back to Cleveland? What then? I, you know, that that could add. The book sales, by the way, were respectable. Not Nothing, no runaway bestseller. I, I bet see, it was I, a hit in Akron. Oh, it was huge in Northeastern Ohio. I've had people, literally, they break down in tears just having anyone stand up for Cleveland. Makes them, makes them weep with gratitude.
that city's been beat up, that whole area's been beat up for so long by the media. And, you know, if it plays out that he winds up coming back to Cleveland, stranger things have happened in sports. I mean, I mean, Clemens never came back to the Sox. Obviously, you know there 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 are certain divorces where nobody's ever going to get back together. But ultimately, it's business, and we all know that. Does he come back to his? He still has that big place in Akron, right? Oh, yeah. Does he yeah, come he back there? An, he has an annual bikeathon. Uh, they had to cut it cut it down. You know, they don't want to expose him too much uh, uh, to the possibility. Although I think you know some of the vitriol, some of the hate, for lack of a better word. Uh, you know, people get tired of carrying that around. I don't. But then, you know, <laughs> His name is Scott Rabb. The book is called The Whore of Akron. If you're a LeBron James fan or a LeBron James enemy, must reading. Scott, thanks for the time this morning. Good luck, oh. and we'll talk to you down the road. All right, guys. Go, go, go Thunder. Go Thunder. Scott, go Thunder. Scott Rabb with Dennison Callahan on the AT&T hotline, AT&T 4G LTE. I don't think uh, Rick Riley's a big fan. Probably doesn't uh, like no, the book no, that much. No, Probably couldn't get through it. Lots of Clevelanders. You left the pixie part out. <laughs> <laughs> you left the pixie a part sweetheart out. Sweetheart <laughs> of a guy. I I love that. That you know, he's not a reporter. He's not a a, a real media objective guy. Yes. He, he just has this rage because uh, LeBron stabbed them all in the back. And by the way, it's not that he left Cleveland. He, it's how he left. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Carmelo Anthony left Denver. Mm. There's no one in Denver is going to write about the horror of whatever. The whore of the Rocky Mountains. Guys leave as free agents all the time, you know. But when he had the show at the Boys Club, when he made the decision and made that dog and pony show with Jim Gray, he led everyone in Cleveland and Akron to believe he was staying. Including Dan Gilbert. You wouldn't do that if you were leaving. You just wouldn't do that. It was too cruel. And then he went there and and just, you know, pissed. All over their shoes. Tore their hearts and told them it was raining. And 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 what what did Scott do? He went to the keyboard and and, and took out his vented his spleen and vented. Uh, someone significant died yesterday. Now yesterday was the anniversary of the O.J. Simpson murders, correct? Someone died yesterday mm. who you know of, but might not name might might not know the name. Name. I'll give you a hint. We'll tell you who it is. When we get back. I could go anywhere. I could do anything. I knew everybody, and everybody knew me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.